0: I don't know if you've noticed, but giving Christmas cards has kind of gone out of vogue a little bit. I still like getting them. I like them when they're... The ones I like the most now are the ones that show the family, you know, welcome or, you know, Merry Christmas or whatever. By the way, welcome to all our kids in the room today. Uh, we don't have a children's ministry going on, so welcome to you. Make yourself at home. We're happy that you're here. You get to see what we do every Sunday, and... Uh, We're glad that you're here, so welcome to you. Back to Christmas cards. I like the ones that show the families because you can kind of see how the kids are growing up. Um, As a dad, I like to see if the other dad has gotten fat, you know, stuff like that. So I like to compare, (laughs) you know, a little, uh, uh, he's bigger than me, so it makes me feel better. Now, the ones that are funny, I mean, I know you've seen some of these, but I, I, I have some for us that... Sort of capture, you know, you know as well as I do, when they're perfect, everybody's smiling, you know, just like they're supposed to. You know that that probably took 27 different shots, but there are some real behind the scenes photos. So I have a few of those. I I like these, where it's not nearly as happy as they make it out to be, right? Or they're not looking. I kind of like, I kind of like that. Or they all have their eyes closed. Now, I think this next one has animals in it. All right, everybody close your eyes. Yeah, okay, all right, all right, all right. So this one has animals in it. Oh, now just think about, you're, you're trying to have a Christmas picture, and then this happens. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> This gal ain't smiling for long, I can tell you that. Um, she doesn't look too happy. Uh, I think maybe he's a stalker. Uh, I don't know. But I love these kind of pictures because it's sort of, it's sort of fun, and, and, and you, you kind of see that it's not as good as maybe we make it out to be. Oh, and one more, one more. Not happy at Christmas. Now, this is a Christmas picture, kind of. This is the Norman family. This little guy right here is named Nathan. Now, the reason I want to show you this one is they're a normal family. They live in Virginia. But little Nathan was diagnosed with brain cancer when he was three years old. And he goes to the clinic at Duke, by the way, and he had had some treatment. And really, the prospect of him living, by the way, he's still alive, but the prospect at the time wasn't good. You know, the the doctor said he doesn't have long to live. Now, they went to the clinic in August. And on the way home, he says to his dad, now you can imagine this if you were a dad, especially or a mom, he says, Daddy, could we put up the Christmas tree? It's August. I like the lights. They make me feel happy. Now, what do you think that family did when they got home from the clinic at Duke? Put up their Christmas tree in August, and they put the lights on it. There's something about light and hope. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. This, this connection between light and hope. On many of the ancient uh, art that deals with the nativity. No, notice that there's this light that shines on Jesus. And, and, and the Bible uses this light metaphor over and over and over again, now you have to understand something i don 't know if you keep up with current politics or American politics or national politics or world politics or anything like that, but if you do at all, you know that we are in a very chaotic world we 've got we 've got a guy in North Korea that is a little insane he 's a little and he 's insane. Uh, You've got division. It's tumultuous. It's chaotic. Our world is dark. But sometimes we get this impression that Jesus came into a happy little place. He you know was born into a fairyland or something like that. Think about this. Jesus is a Jewish child. The Jews, their land... Israel, when he was born, is occupied by another country. They had very, very little freedom as a Jew in Israel at the time. It's not as if Jesus was born into a pristine, perfect environment. He was born into a a dark world. And Christmas is a story of light coming into a dark world. And so sometimes you read the news and you're like, Oh my word, this seems hopeless. Well, the good news is, it's not hopeless. Now today, if you would indulge me, I, I, because we have kids in the room, I thought I would have somebody who's about their age uh, tell the Christmas story for it. So at least if you'd come, I'm going to get a mic. It's this one. And you're going to... It is on. All right, talking to it.
1: Okay, check it.
0: Yeah, there you go. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> In those days... Wait a minute. The... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So the reason... It just... The Christmas story is better coming from a kid. All right. So what are we reading?
1: Luke 2, 1 through 20.
0: All right. Luke 2, 1 through 20. Okay.
1: In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria.
0: note a couple of things about lightness and dark. It's funny, the, the Bible is complex. There are layers of it. And in Scripture, this metaphor of light and dark is used quite often. By the way, if you ever read the story of Judas when he betrays Jesus, it says that Ju- Judas betrayed Christ and he went outside, and it says, and it was dark. Now, if you're not careful, you read that and you think, well, he, it was night, but but it meant more than that in that particular instance. And so, in the Christmas story we have light coming into darkness in several different ways. Now, you may not know this, but there are basically four biographies of Jesus in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. The first four books of the New Testament are biographies. The only two that mention Jesus's birth are Matthew and Luke. We just heard Luke but in Matthew, there's also the story of the wise men, the magi, who come from the east and they, they, uh, they find Jesus. And what was it that led them to Jesus in a dark sky? It was a star, right? There was light in the midst of darkness. And Mary and Joseph, in this particular accounting, was, uh, they, they came to an inn and there was no room and so they stayed in a, in a, a stable. And I don't know, about it doesn't really say it was dark, but usually when I'm looking for a room, it's dark. And so I kind of figure that Mary and Joseph were looking for shelter at night. Again, it was light coming into darkness. And then we heard the story here of, of the angels. And the angels appeared uh, to the shepherds. And when was it? Was it night? And it says that while they were keeping watch of their flocks at night and the glory of God shone around them. And this, this imagery of light coming into darkness we see over and over again. And it's not as if it's the first time that we ever see it. Isaiah, which was written hundreds of years before Jesus, talks about light coming into darkness. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. We are intuitively drawn to stories of light overcoming darkness. Think about um, Star Wars. There's a new Star Wars movie, right? Is that right? Okay. Um, So, these stories are about good overcoming evil. Maybe you don't, Star Wars isn't your thing. Uh, Clark Griswold. Anybody know that one? (coughs) What is he looking for? He, he wants a good old-fashioned Griswold Christmas. That's, what he, that's all he's longing for. And we watch watched that movie, and we've seen it a hundred times, but we're pulling for it. Elf, what do we want from Elf? Elf just wants the family. And his dad, uh, Walter Hobbs, isn't very nice, and he's on the naughty list, like the McCalls. And uh, um, yesterday, Kentucky loses, right? which doesn't happen very often. I'm from Kentucky. I'm a Kentucky fan. And my friends, the McCalls, text me the score. Now, like, like, so they're on the naughty list. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Elf, he, he, he just wants his... Da- I mean, we are drawn intuitively for, for the underdog to win. We want light to defeat darkness. Rocky, one, two, three... Four, five, six, Apollo Creed. Uh, uh, There were seven of those. You want to know why there were seven? Because we want the underdog to win. And the greatest Christmas movie of all time, Die Hard, is a movie (laughs) about light overcoming darkness. By the way, did you know there are five... Die Hard movies, there's a reason we keep going back to this. There are seven Rocky movies, there are five Die Hard movies, because we want darkness defeated. We we want it. And Jesus came into the world, a dark world, into darkness. 2,000 years ago, he came. Now here's the problem with light and darkness. They don't really go together very well. Jesus talked about it. Let's look at a couple of verses. Jesus said, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. He's talking about himself. But men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Do you know more crime, by a vast number, more crime is committed at night than during the daytime? Why is that? Because it's easier to hide your sins in the dark But men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. See, here's the good news. In the end, light wins. It, it just will. Even though people like darkness more than light, and if you have any question about that, you should just read the paper. People love darkness more than light. Even our world is disintegrating. There's something called cosmic disintegration, as, uh, as astrologers tell us. It, it just is the fact Yet here's what's amazing to me about Christ and light, even in very, very dark places. It doesn't take much light to impact darkness. If you've ever had a candle, you know this is true. You light a candle in a dark, dark room and you still get some light. And the darkest times in history, think about this. Some of the greatest songs ever written were written by slaves during slavery. Go tell it on the mountain. He's got the whole world in his hand. Swing low. Sweet chariot. I mean, that's a beautiful song. Man, that's a song that, it, that fills your, your, your soul. And during World War II, did you know this? At Auschwitz, there were, there were men who got together and women who got together that formed choirs and they sang songs and they wrote music. Because even though, I mean, I don't know that there's been ever a darker place in the history of this planet than concentration camps during World War II. We had the opportunity to go to one a, a few years ago while we were in Europe. There is a sort of a, a holy reverence that just sort of sits. It's like a fog. You, you walk onto that property and you know what happened there. And it is somewhat overwhelming. It, it is almost oppressive. The, the weight of being there. And even in a dark, dark place like that, the light still shone. J- Jesus said this. He said, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will, walk, will not walk in darkness. But he'll have the light. We have the light of Christ in our lives. When we Become followers of Jesus. We have the light. In fact, Jesus not only said He was the light and that we could walk in the light, but He also said that we get to represent Him as light. You, those of us who follow Jesus, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and give you glory. That's not what it says, is it? They may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. We have this remarkable opportunity to be representatives of Christ. And so today, as part of our celebration of Christmas, we should never celebrate Christ without remembering why Christ came. It was so He could live a sinless life and ultimately go to a cross So that He could take our sins away. Jesus came with a purpose. To be light in a dark world then and now. And to take all the darkness from our lives. Part of what we do in just a moment, we're going to take communion. And I'm going to give you a little instruction on that. Part of why we take communion, the Lord's Supper is because we want to remember not just that Christ came as a baby, but that Christ died as a man. A perfect, sinless sacrifice for you and for me. John 3.16 says, For God to love the world, you know this verse, He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. The Bible tells us that when we take communion, it is imperative, it is a must, that we take a moment to reflect, that we make sure we're in good standing with the Lord. It is vital. That we assess our lives our our faith in Christ. Where are we? Uh, you, you do kind of a, a soul check. Where am I with the Lord? So in just a second, I'm going to have a few of my elders come and they're going to help us hand out the elements. But between now and then, I'm going to put a text up which again is ancient. It's from Isaiah, written hundreds of years before Jesus. And yet, it prophesied about Christ. And we're just going to leave this text up while we take communion. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace, the light that drove out our personal darkness was on Him. And by His wounds, we are healed. If you need somebody to pray with you, after the service, we're going to have some folks here. I'm going to be down front. But I've asked... This is Pastor sabo He um, is a Romanian pastor, and he understands what it's like to be light in a dark, dark place. He is a spiritual pastor hero it is our honor to receive a blessing and a close from him. If He would pray for us.
1: Tata Ceresc, în zilele acestea, mulțumim pentru biruința luminii asupra întunericului, pentru biruința vieții asupra morții și pentru biruința dragostei asupra urii. De aceea, mulțumim pentru Iisus Hristos, Fiul Tău, prin care ai făcut toate lucrurile acestea, prin care ne-ai dat nouă biruință și viață, ajutor și îndrăzneală să privim spre Tine și spre împărăția Ta. Ne rugăm, Doamne, să ne binecuvintezi în zilele acestea, cu putere să facem voia Ta, să umblăm pe calea Ta, să ascultăm de Tine. Mă rog, Doamne, pentru biserica aceasta, mă rog, Doamne, pentru păstorii bisericii, mă rog, Doamne, pentru copii și pentru oamenii mari, mă rog, Doamne, să fii cu noi și să ne ajut să ne întâlnim cu Tine în împărăția Ta. In Jesus' name, Amen.